0: Never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm oh, Batman.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that probably should have gone knight to rook four as opposed to bishop to queen three. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. Hey, man. (laughs) How's it going? I'm good. Are we on the Internet? I think so. I think it's all working. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I don't remember if I... (laughs) Yeah, I think everything's working properly this week. And I say that because we had that technical difficulty, so everything seems to be just fine. Um, So... Our news this week is not nearly the megaton that we (laughs) had last week, so we can see. News this week does, I do have a couple stories that kind of expound a little bit on a couple things that we covered. Um, So I just thought that, you know, I just kind of pulled them just to be safe because why not? Um, Other than that, it's a pretty straightforward show. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Exciting. It is, right? (laughs) Um, uh, So, yeah, why don't we uh, just. What are we watching? What are we reading? Actually, wait, before we start that real quick. I don't know if you saw, but um, Jeremy Bullock passed away today. Um, and, and your pause makes you go, who's Jeremy Bullock? Which, a little bit. Sad, which saddens me a little bit. But all Star Wars fans across the world, in terms of the OT generation or the original trilogy generation that we are, Jeremy Bullock is the original Mandalorian, the actor who played Boba Fett in the original oh, trilogy. Wow. Um, for Empire and Jedi. Um I had a chance to meet Jeremy Bullock back in the day. Um he was really gracious with his time, but he was one of those he was one of the Star Wars actors that was really appreciative. Appreciate Appreciative of his fans, he really truly embraced his fans and all that stuff. And I just wanted to quickly say that um, it's sad to hear that he passed away. He was 75. Um, I don't know if it was COVID related or not. I decided to kind of leave that out in my search. It was more of a sad day, um, and it also made me realize that being an OT generation fan, um, I am about. I made a realization today that there's a there is a chance that I'm going to outlive the star Wars cast and that's coming the original star Wars cast. And that's coming fairly quick. I think the only ones left are like Luke Han, three PO and wedge. Um, Oh, Lando, but (laughs) for the most part, (laughs) for the most part, most of them have passed away. So um, uh, yeah, we're getting, we're getting to that point. So I just thought that was a weird thing, but Jeremy may the force be with you and thanks for being the original Mandalorian. So
0: yeah, this is uh, this is one that's really sad to hear. I obviously wasn't super familiar with him as an actor, but it's one of those things where just hearing this right now, it's like, wow, this actor who I didn't even know the name of has affected me more than I would have even known because of just that memorable Boba Fett performance that everybody keeps hearkening back to, especially with, uh, you know, its newfound relevance with the Mandalorian show and stuff. So definitely sad to see any uh Star Wars actor go. And uh, yeah, just really sad to hear that.
1: Yeah. So anyway, uh, again, that's sad news. But let's talk about some fun stuff and uh, move on. So what are we watching? What are we reading? What's going on? I haven't
0: watched a ton. Um, Good. So <laughs> <laughs> awesome uh so the show ink master just uh netflix has a couple seasons of ink master uh okay. that just dropped on netflix and uh that's mostly what i've been watching um and this is a show that i've always kind of liked but never like kind of binged through i would always just catch an episode here or there because it's a tattooing you know competition yeah. reality show and uh i just It's really one of those things that I like to watch because I like to see the design work that people come up with. I like seeing the creative process. And it's a show that I watch that makes me want to draw, which is pretty awesome. Um, And it's not I, I like a lot of shows like this because I like that sort of documentation of the creative process more than necessarily it being tattoos but i'm drawn into the artwork and the design and all that um that being said this show is kind of ridiculous because Mm -hmm. like i said i've never binged it Mm -hmm. and i never realized how dramatized they made everything like every episode there's characters yelling (laughs) at each other and fighting with each other and stuff and i'm just over here like i just want to see what they draw (laughs) you know like i just want to see their tattoos i don't care about all this drama stuff but it's definitely entertaining and that's mostly what i've been watching this week um i watched mandalorian of course but that's about it uh what about you
1: all right so i mandalorian we'll get to mandalorian in a minute but uh, i watched uh, mandalorian has made me um not question but more of a ooh wait let me double check some stuff just not like not necessarily facts checking but more of a Hold on a second, and then I'm like kind of going back and watching certain parts of like Clone Wars and other things like that. So I've been kind of falling asleep to Clone Wars lately it's and the, like watching them. It's the conspiracy board like we were talking about last week. You've got your
0: Mandalorian (laughs) conspiracy board going.
1: It is, and I'm not – like I said, I'm not fact-checking. It's more of a, oh, hold on a second. You start thinking about stuff. So so I'm watching, like, the Mandalorian arcs and going back and, like, looking at other certain story arcs and stuff. And um, it's been a lot of fun doing that. So I've been kind of falling asleep to the Clone Wars, which has been really kind of cool. Um, Nice. Otherwise, I watched a little bit more of – The Flight Attendant, I haven't finished it. I only have a couple episodes left to go, but it's really, really – it's really a cool show, and it's really shaping up to be something – Kind of, it, I think it's a really special show to watch. I'm just kind of really enjoying it. It's got these moments where it's like really dark comedy funny. I mean, he's got these moments where they're like super serious and you throw in the drama and then they go back to the dark comedy stuff. And um, she has a lawyer friend, which is kind of like the big comic relief right now, which is kind of making me laugh just the way she handles things. Um, I might change my voicemail to match the way hers is because I always thought it was funny. <laughs> uh, her, her voicemail on her phone, like uh, Kaylee Cuoco's character will call her like friend who's a lawyer and her voicemail picks up and she's like, it's Annie. That's all you get. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. I'm totally going to change my voicemail on my phone. Mm. Um, The, uh, but no, otherwise that show is actually really cool. I highly recommend it. Um, I don't, like I said, I haven't gotten to the end and I know it's based on a book, so I don't know if it's supposed to be a second season or if it's just a one shot. Um, But so yeah, just check it out. Um, Otherwise, I watched The Mandalorian. So you want to talk about that for a second? Because this episode was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, Um, Boba Fett, like, (laughs) painted his armor. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: that was cool. That's actually like that was really cool to see, especially at the beginning of the episode. It's like, okay, so he uh, you know, he retooled some stuff and he looks really sleek and badass now. But that's actually not what I was left with from the episode. I actually kind of forgot about that part just Mm because I had. Between the action scenes and the suspense scenes, I had so much fun with this episode otherwise. so Yeah,
1: I, I, I wanted to talk about the Boba Fett thing real quick, because aside from him flying the spaceship, uh, when we saw Boba Fett in Empire and Jedi, for the most part, he stood around holding his gun. Yep. And then we saw the episode where he was just absolutely just amazing and just destroying everyone in his path. And then this episode, he basically stood around again. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And it kinda of made, kind of made me laugh. I was like, man. <laughs> um they gave us all this. This is the boba fett you want? Well, not now we gotta go back to the guy who just looks cool. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of struck me as funny, but it's it's all good. Uh, no, I wasn't episode,
0: thinking in that terms in those terms though, so I actually didn't notice that. But uh, I, I mean, know. I really did like the sort of like Slave One dogfight they gave us a little bit towards yeah. the end of the episode, and that stuff was really badass, uh, nonetheless.
1: Yeah. So, and we got to see the uh, and we got to see the Slave One seismic charge again. We haven't seen that since Attack of the Clones. As soon mm-hmm. as they showed like eject, I was like, "Oh, it's the seismic charge." Uh, <laughs> It's such a cool sound effect um, with a delay uh, when it uh, detonates. I I always thought that was a. It's not, it's not a difficult sound effect. I don't think because like in a weird way, if you they talked about it on uh, another podcast about how it kind of sounds like the strum of a guitar just kind of put through a synthesizer in a way, hmm. but with the delay, with the delay and then the way it spans out, I just always thought it was a cool sound effect that they put together. Um, so uh but yeah no this episode one of the things i really really want to point out in this episode aside from like the cool action on the truck um uh, the the that those fight scenes aside from the mandalorian having to put on stormtrooper gear and actually remove his helmet in front of all these people and all that stuff some this is something i noticed um and it's really really cool uh Pedro Pascal who plays the mandalorian if you when he takes his helmet off in that scene and you watch him um, move his head and his eyes and all that stuff. He moves as if he's got the helmet on. It's like this really subtle character choice where, like his his head movements, um, instead of like you know when in that tense moment when uh I can never remember the guy's name, but uh, Bill Burr's character is like kind of having this moment where he's talking about that one battle. Mm-hmm. And it's and he, and man and Din Djarin's like, what are you doing? You're going to get us caught instead of like looking over with his eyes at Bill Burr. He moved his whole head as if he had the helmet on. And yeah. then he moved his head back. And when he had to look down, instead of looking down with his eyes, he tilted his head as if he had the helmet on. It was like a really subtle character choice that they did. And I thought that was amazing just in terms of the consistency, because this is a guy who never takes the helmet off. Yeah, he's it would so, be like, so used, he's so used to having it on.
0: It's, it's a good point because it would be uh, muscle memory for him at that point. So, yeah, that actually is a really good um, point
1: to bring up. It was just it was just something I spotted. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. You know what I mean? It's just that mm-hmm. character, those, those subtle character things I always try and look for because I think they're such amazing parts. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome um i don't know what else i don't know what else you wanted to add about mandalorian so yeah
0: the, the the few things i wanted to say is uh first you mentioned that sort of truck chase scene that they had which was just like really fun and it had that level of like no matter how much uh Din was fighting off these uh, pirates or whatever. They kept coming like even stronger and stronger. So it was just like it had that same level of suspense that I felt like they captured in the ice spiders episode where you're just like, dang, like, dang. It just keeps getting more intense. And I really enjoyed that scene. And it wasn't until after it was like a day or two after uh, I watched the episode. I was thinking back on that scene and I was like, you know, that episode or that scene was a. was a train chase scene. Like that was like pulling up your stagecoach on the side of the train and trying to raid the train. I I was like, they really still have this sort of Western genre blood flowing through the series, like through and through. And I love that. And, uh, the other thing that I just wanted to say is that whole, like, stormtrooper mess hall sequence and stuff and uh din and uh bill burr's character going undercover i thought that was so suspenseful and like they had just such a good way of building the suspense in a dialogue scene and i honestly feel like the episodes keep getting better and better because i feel like they're either, they're both like really action packed, but also just they keep getting more and more uh, sort of suspenseful. And I'm really enjoying it. So that's my main takeaway from this one.
1: Right. And I agree. And this uh, finale, I'm hoping the last couple have only been like right around half an hour. I'm really yeah. hoping this finale is a good lengthy episode. Um, I have it's... a feeling it, really, it will be. It does. They have a lot that they got to bring together in this episode, and I'm really curious as to if they're going to end the season on a cliffhanger or not. Um, I really don't know what the pl- I, I really couldn't even guess what the plan is, if that's, you know, like the first season didn't really end on a cliffhanger. You just kind of like knew they were riding off into the sunset. But this has got Baby Yoda and, uh, or Grogu, which we're still getting used to in a um In a precarious situation. So we'll see what happens there.
0: Absolutely. Uh That's a good question to think about. But I have no idea. I'm just enjoying (laughs) it, enjoying it, you know.
1: (laughs) Right. Agreed. Well, how about this? You want to talk about some news? Yeah, let's go for it. All right. Um, So let's see. All right. First, Um, We have uh, some information. Actually, let's talk about stuff from last week real quick. I got two things to add from last week because we had so much news. Um, First off, the Cassian Andor series coming from Lucasfilm. Um, What I thought was interesting about this statement. So the first season of Star Wars Andor i thought that was interesting because nice. that means it's not a, it's not a one-shot deal because we heard that the obi-wan series will be a one season series um yeah so call. it's kind of like think about it like an extended movie and if you will that's i think that's how they're going to handle a lot of these marvel may handle some stuff that way star wars might handle some stuff that way so um Andor looks like it's going to shave up to be a multi-season thing which is cool um so the first season of star wars Andor will consist of 12 episodes awesome and feature more than 200 named characters, named cast members, and 6,000 crowd extras. Okay. Um, the extra number. That's extra what I like number, to I hear know. with Star Wars. Well, the extra number isn't really something I'm concerned about necessarily. Yeah. It's the 200 named cast members that I'm like, whoa! Um, which. You're probably going to see a lot of characters that we already know. Like we might see Bail Organa. We're probably going to see Mon Mothma. We might see Admiral Ackbar. We might, you know what I mean? We're, we could see some characters from the trilogy we're already aware of. And that's something that caught my attention, um, you know what I mean? So that's I thought of the same thing when you said it, like the named characters, because that
0: they could be original named characters for the series. But with that amount, I feel like there's got to be a decent amount that we already know, which is definitely really exciting to look forward to.
1: Yeah. I mean, we might see a young wedge. We might see, you know what I mean? Like, this could be a lot yeah. of characters. You got to think back to that first movie or that first or just the original trilogy in general and how it all like lines up, if you will. So um, but yeah, that's awesome. Um, Okay. the other piece of Star Wars news, I think I only have one other Star Wars thing. Uh, Well, I have sort of an extra one because it's yeah. Um, All right. So this is something I was really thought was really cool because we talked about Hayden coming back. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so what's interesting about Hayden Christensen coming back to play Darth Vader is he really got a bad. I think he got a lot of he got a lot of negative criticism from Revenge of the Sith and Attack of the Clones. And whether you agree with that or not is kind of irrelevant, because this is a guy that still played that character. I think he did a decent job. Um, and when I found out about and I talked about this last week, how he like kind of like listened to the way Vader talks to try and mimic the cadence of James yeah. Earl Jones, yeah. not the tone, but the cadence, because you got to remember Vader's voice in the costume is also going through a filter and Hayden's not in a costume. So he's just trying to match the cadence. So the lines are still delivered similar, similarly. Wow. I can't talk to him. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I just think Hayden got a bad, I think he got a bad taste in his mouth from it. And he kind of stopped acting for a little while after star Wars. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to hear he's coming back to play the character is fantastic. But there was a really good quote here that I kind of, Um, wanted to bring up because I thought it was it was just kind of like heart touching to me. I was like, good, thank you. Um, It's from Hayden Christensen. It says it's such an incredible journey playing it. It was such an incredible journey playing Anakin Skywalker. Of course, Anakin and Obi-Wan weren't on the best of terms when we last saw them. It'll be interesting to see what an amazing director like Deborah Chow has in store for us all. I'm excited to work with you. And again, it feels good to be back. Um And that's awesome because I think from what I've heard is that Ewan really lobbied to say, if I'm doing this, you got to bring Hayden back.
0: That's awesome to hear. Um, That's just a really good statement
1: from him. Like
0: it's super positive, but it's to the point and it's what we all want to hear as fans. So I'm definitely excited
1: about it. Yeah. And then the other um, the other aspect of it is that uh, there's a line. So here's what's interesting. Um. Does uh, and I, I, I'd have to look it up, and I, or just go watch the movie because you know I'm going to do it anyway because it's Star Wars, but um, there's a, uh, so the last time we saw Darth Vader or Anakin Skywalker and Obi Wan together was in Revenge of the Sith, Anakin becomes Darth Vader. Uh, Obi-Wan messes him up. Anakin becomes Darth Vader. Obi-Wan goes to sit on Tatooine and wait for Luke to grow up. And then the next time we see Anakin, Vader and Obi-Wan together is in episode four when Vader kills him. Right? Yeah. Okay. So we're all in agreement there. Cool. (laughs) There is a line in episode four where Vader says right before the duel, you should not have come back. Okay. Which because we're doing this series, It makes me wonder, and it's something like, did we all miss? Was there a chance that they saw each other in that 20 year gap that we never knew about?
0: You know, that's a really good point because it's, yeah, like I get that like Obi-Wan went into hiding, but did he really just stay in hiding while the Empire ran amok around the galaxy, you know, like maybe he did try to step in at one point or, you know, like you said did they come across each other's paths some some other way you know that's really interesting to think about
1: right yeah i don't know um it just kind of it just caught my attention and i was like wow that's that's kind of cool so um i'm really kind of curious to I, I, aside from being excited, I'm really kind of curious to see if that plays out that way, so we can go. Oh, that makes that line so much cooler, you know? Um, Absolutely,
0: and it makes me wonder if this is something that they, if they noticed that, and then they built it into this new show, or if it's just something that conveniently worked out for them, you know? <laughs> and the world may never know, but I love speculating on that sort of uh, behind-the-scenes right. thing. Like, is this a coincidence, or did they do this on purpose?
1: You know. Um, I think. Um, well, see, you got to remember that George made Star Wars. You got to remember when George made Star Wars; it was the '70s, and we didn't have VCRs. We couldn't record stuff. Um, we had to. You, if you caught it, great. If you missed an episode of a show, sucks to be you. You'd have to fill in the gaps in your own mind or talk to someone and try and figure out what happened. So, when you watched Star Wars Episode Four for the very first time uh, in 1977. <laughs> You get that opening crawl and then all the dialogue and everything has to fill in the gaps and your brain has to fill in the holes and as if you missed the previous episode of the show you're watching. Um, And it was very ingeniously done that way. And then even when you go back to episode one years later when they put that together – um, you still have to figure fill in the gaps like what happened prior to this that you don't know that you're trying it's it's that episodic television that I just happened to miss that episode here I am because um, four to five everything lines up five to six everything lines up but at the end of the day if you missed that episode you know what I mean and it's just back then it's just that's how you handled it like oh I didn't get to watch that episode of I don't know what was a show that was on then Um Uh, Flash Gordon. I missed the episode of Flash (laughs) Gordon, so I, you know, um, had to just pick it up. Yeah. And that's there's a genius to that kind of storytelling. So those lines of dialogue were written as, yeah, they probably dueled in the past. Why not? I'll write that down. And then now you have these storytellers looking at it going. That's interesting. There's a chance that they actually met in that 20 year time gap. So,
0: yeah. And there's there's a genius to storytelling where you leave bits to the imagination and allow the audience member to use their animation or their imagination to fill in the gaps. And, uh, not saying that like Disney is not doing that because I think they are doing some interesting things when it's like, we all kind of want to know what Obi-Wan was doing between episodes three and four, but it still is, um, I guess I'm just saying it as a comment. I do really look back at like, especially the original star Wars trilogy and uh, some other movie series and stuff. And I do appreciate that sort of, uh, ambiguity that sometimes gets lost in, uh, you know, new, newer movies and TV shows where people want every little thing explained, if you will. So, Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) right. And I don't think we need every new, like the one that bugged me the most in terms of things needing to be explained was, um, Episode seven came out, and for some reason, the internet went like apeshit over the fact that 3PO had a red arm, and there's no explanation of 3PO having a red arm. And uh, <laughs> the, there's, there's a couple lines of dialogue in the movie. He goes, Han, you probably didn't recognize me with the red arm. And yeah. you like, why does 3PO have a red arm? And then, as three PO and BB-8 are walking off screen, three PO BB-8 blurt something at him, and three PO goes, "You're right, BB-8. I should probably get my other arm put back on." In my nice. head, in my head, as a Star Wars fan, I probably went, "Oh, you know what? I'll bet you three PO is just getting some repairs done, and they gave him a temporary arm." <laughs> right? Yeah, like, absolutely. Inter- like, but the internet's like, why does he got the red arm? What's the story? And what happened is they had to create, they had to write a comic book and release it to explain why he had the red arm. And it's this whole big, like, heroic, like, adventure 3PO went on.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, I, now, I think, I, I kind of, because I, I have heard about that comic book and how. I feel like the story's like something about C three O or C three PO, is saved by some other robot in the situation that, like, some other uh, droid sacrificed his life to save C three PO, and right. that robot had the red arm, and three PO wears the red arm like to honor that character or
1: something like that. Yeah, he honors him for like twenty minutes because at the end of the movie he doesn't have the red arm anymore, um, and. But- <laughs> Go ahead. (laughs) Oh, no. I I
0: just think, like, it makes me wonder if when they originally gave 3PO the red arm, I feel like it's for one or two, one of two reasons or possibly both. But it's one to show that um, that a section of time has passed. Like, it's been a (laughs) while since you've seen this character. So it makes sense that he would. You know, some of his parts would change. I mean, compare the way he looked in Episode one to, you know, what he looked in the original trilogy. Of course, he's going to look slightly different. And then two, to sell more toys, because it always goes back to that with Star Wars. So, of course, we need to have the
1: red arm variant of C3PO. But uh, what were you saying, though? What I was going to say was is 3PO, the first time we see him, he doesn't have any armored pieces. He's just like the guts of the robot. Yeah, yeah. And we'll see him in episode two. He's got the shoddy like not he doesn't have the decent body armor on his um, or the shell to his the robot that he is. And then in episode four, he's now got the gold armor. But what people, you know, they're freaking out about the gold arm, which was clearly used to show a passage of time. No one said you don't see the Internet exploding over an empire. Why he has a, one of his legs is silver from the knee down. So, <laughs> Good point. So there's that. All right, we're done with the three PO red arm tangent because that's an argument <laughs> you know, from 2015. So anyway, let's move on. All right, so quick science story, and then we'll get to fun stuff. um You know, I like to pull out a science story on occasion, and I'm going to tell yeah. you. I I was going to read more of the article. I was going to like, ooh, this will be fun for a conversation, and then I started reading the article, and it got so technical. I was like. Holy cow, I'm not going to do this. Um, So basically, astronomers... Astronomers, why can I not talk today? (laughs) Um, Astronomers discover space superhighways. Interesting. I know. Astronomers have begun to study superhighways in space that can rapidly transport matter. Uh, These space manifolds exist via gravitational intersections in the solar system and could aid in travel in the future. So that said to me... We've discovered hyperspace, and we're going to use the light speed like in the Millennium Falcon and go traveling through the – through traveling through space. It's going to be awesome. Star Wars is real. The <laughs> other, Absolutely. The other side of this that made me laugh was the last time we started messing – if you watch science fiction movies, the last time people start look, traveling through space at high velocities that I remember – was Event Horizon, and that all ended bad. So (laughs) um, if you've never seen Event Horizon, go watch it. It's fantastic. But (laughs) you see my point. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, so anyway, looks like hyperspace is on its way. All right, absolutely already talk, talk about crazy them. story
0: <laughs> yeah we can talk about our actual actual list no I do appreciate that story I've mentioned it on the podcast before but uh I heard this like theory where if some astronomer or something said that they're like deducing that the layout of the universe closely mimics a human's brain which is just I don't even know how to take that like <laughs> are we like right. subatomic a su- subatomic like pieces of whatever inside of a giant other creature's brain or something. So I hear about the super highways and immediately I'm like, oh, well, those are just like nerve synapses or something that you can travel through. But uh, yeah, right. it's definitely really interesting. And uh, I don't even know where to begin <laughs> with that article. But uh, I also was going to comment on – You've had a lot of science uh, news related items lately, and I think that just is a testament to how messed up this year has been. And uh, thank God that it's almost over. But there's. It's like every other week lately, there's some weird
1: science thing coming out. Well, the weird science stuff. So, like, I look, I'm always going to be looking for the Star Wars and the comic book and, you know, the movie news because we're excited about this, that or everything. And, you know, we want to talk about that stuff. But I really enjoy science stuff. And there's some really interesting and like science fiction, um, like Star Trek is responsible for a lot of things. Like if you go back to the original Star Treks and stuff and you then you look at your cell phone and go, oh, hey, that's actually right there on the screen. They're using mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Of, and that's the thing. Science fiction does stuff. And then scientists go, can we do that for real? And then someone builds it. Um, well,
0: I, I so. remember going back to a uh, next generation episode once and I was just it's like I hadn't watched the show for years and years. And I just randomly caught it on TV and I was like, wait. Uh, Picard's using a tablet right now. How the heck did they know <laughs> that tablets were going to be a thing? And I was just like so kind of dumbfounded by it.
1: Uh, but, yeah, keep going. What were you the saying? weird the, the tablet thing in Star Trek makes me laugh because Picard will have a tablet in his hand that does one thing. Yeah, and then he'll yeah. have a, <laughs> but but he'll have Absolutely. a stack of tablets on his desk that each do something different. Yeah. <laughs> where where I know that the tablet I'm holding in my hand right now can do several things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, um, it's a different, it's a different medium, but they still had tablets and that's the whole point. Like he's still it the visual,
0: the visual of it was so striking to me mm-hmm. that I was like, how were they able to predict this, you know, back in the early nineties or late eighties,
1: whenever that show was airing, uh, it um, was early, it was 92. Um, but it wasn't, but I don't know if it's necessarily a prediction so much as a, well, it's Star Trek. We got to think a super, uh, um, Uh, space technology for the future you know what i mean like what would they have yeah um how do we make their lives easier as writers as i think is what really happened um all right we're like all tangent tonight man this is it's kind of fun but uh, let's move (laughs) on um okay uh do you remember the show dinosaurs yeah (laughs) yeah earl and baby are we we still
0: on news we are <laughs> Oh, for some reason I thought we were jumping in the list already. But yeah, keep going about dinosaurs no. cuz yeah, this no, is weird. No.
1: You remember the show <laughs> Dinosaurs? Yeah, so Dinosaurs I do. is coming to Disney Plus. Like the old the old show? Like the old show streaming on Stream Dinosaurs will be streaming January 29th on Disney Plus. <laughs> this is great. Um, from what I can tell it's the old show. Um, I don't think it's anything new. So, yeah, but it comes down to this is that thing where Disney and got to remember, we we all tend because of covid and all the other nonsense that happened this year. You got to remember that at the beginning, Disney bought Fox. So now we're going to start seeing these things like roll in like Anastasia, the animated film is a movie that probably should have landed under the Disney banner, but because of an internal fight between Walt and a couple of the creators who left Disney at the time they went and made uh, Anastasia with another studio. Yeah. Well, Disney bought Fox. Guess what? You Disney fans who always thought Anastasia should be a Disney movie. It now is because it's streaming on Disney plus right now.
0: Oh, that's great. I got to watch that. I, I really like Anastasia and that's uh. Don Bluth was like the head animator or director yeah. on that. And I love his um, yeah. art style and everything. So that'll be really fun. Um, the dinosaur story, I think is very amusing because I, I say that it's great to hear that it's on Disney And here's what I expect my uh, experience with dinosaurs will be is I will put it on the TV. I'll watch one episode just to get the reaction out of my wife <laughs> <laughs> we'll be like, what the F is this? And then we'll turn it off and it'll just be amusing for me. <laughs> um, but um, that,
1: I'm gonna that have, was a very I'm unique gonna have to
0: show. S- oh, what were you saying?
1: I'm going to have the very same reaction with my kid and be like, you have to see this.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, it's a very unique show. It's kind of weird that it, it exists, but uh, it's like cool it that it's on Disney
1: Plus. It was uh, the... Um, I feel like uh it's the uh it's basically Roseanne with dinosaurs, if you think yeah. about it. I was gonna um, say for sense. for our
0: viewers who don't know like Google Dinosaurs sitcom, but it's basically a sitcom made up of uh puppets and people in suits and stuff who are dressed as dinosaurs and it's like your average sort of uh sitcom where you've got the two parents and the dad who works construction and, you know, like the bratty teenage kids. And
1: yeah, it's just it's really weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Dinosaurs is coming to Disney Plus, so I'm definitely going to have to uh, give that a go.
0: Not to, uh, not to derail the conversation more, but have you ever seen the the series finale to that show? No. OK, it's very depressing because it involves the actual distinct or extinction of the dinosaur like oh, race, <laughs> and it's like a very like oddly depressing uh series finale which in retrospect is really amusing to me i wonder so. i would have to look it up but i wonder how many
1: seasons they ran but if i just wait a month it's going to be on disney plus and i can it's <laughs> see how many seasons it was but um there you that's, go. that's good that they actually had a series finale um All right, let's talk about some Game of Thrones news. Uh, Y'all thought Game of Thrones was done? It is not. Um, HBO's The House of the Dragon is the new series which will cover the history of the Targaryen Civil War. Um, They have confirmed that it will have a 2022 release date, um, which means I got some time to to read the book. Um, House of the Dragon is based off. House of the Dragon is based off the, the book from the Game of Thrones series called uh, Fire and Blood, uh, which I picked up a copy. I just haven't had a chance to read it. And it's massive. And that's the other reason why I haven't read it yet, because it's so big. Um, so um, it I was is, 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 is that book that it has. It's like heavily detailed, right? Or I mean, not de- illustrated, right? It is heavily illustrated. And the and I did read a little bit of it when I first got it. I was like, cool. Cool. And like yeah. the beginning of it kind of reads like a textbook, um, like in the, the way a history textbook is. So I don't know if the whole book is like that or if it's just uh, or if that section I read was kind of a let's catch you up because, cause you gotta remember. All right. So quick tangent, the Targaryens were one of multiple families that lived in Valeria and the Targaryens left Valeria before the doom came and killed everyone. The doom was a sickness. Um, That like wiped out everyone in Valeria. Um, If you want to know what the doom did to people, uh, the sickness grayscale um, that Jorah Mormont gets um, and and they refer to them as the stone men. That was the doom. That was the sickness that hit Valeria. So the Targaryens left right before that happened. And they're the only ones left from that country. Um, so, and then when the Targaryens left, they came here and then there was a Targaryen civil war as they tried forming the seven kingdoms. The beginning of the book, Blood and Fire or Fire and Blood, um, kind of explains some of that. So it kind of read like a textbook. Like i almost felt like it was catching me up to the substance I'm going to be reading, if you will. Yeah. uh,
0: I was gonna say I flipped through that book in uh Walmart one day because <laughs> I saw it on the shelf and it just looked it looked awesome with all the illustrations but um Game of Thrones I really want to read the series but it's really hard for me to start something that isn't finished yet and I don't know I don't know there those books are thick and I just I don't know. I feel like I want to let George R.R. R. Martin release it all. And then I'll go delve into that uh, madness of reading
1: you're all those right. books, because for what's that who, for people who say that those books don't follow the show properly, you're going to be shocked at how like, oh, my God, that's directly in the show. That's directly in the show. That's directly in the show. Oh, like, I, I,
0: I believe that. I just I know how long people have been waiting for like that series to conclude. Uh, And I know how I am where I'll read something. And then I know if I have to wait, you know, years and years (laughs) to read the next part of the story, I'm going to forget things. And I just know I'm going to get more out of it if I wait. But, uh, I really do want to check out that book eventually.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, um, I got a couple. So for the target for the house of the Targaryen show, um, there, they have cast uh, Olivia Koch, Emma Darcy, and Matt Smith. Now, uh, you might know some of these names. Uh, Matt Smith, mostly known for his work as, uh, on Dr. And Morbius. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but he uh, – and then he also plays a droid on The Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, mm. <laughs> Matt Smith is going to be playing Daemon Targaryen. He's described as the young brother of King Viserys, and heir to the throne, a peerless warrior, and dragon rider. So we're going to get to see some people riding dragons. Um, Daemon nice. possesses the true blood of the. He possesses, possesses the true blood of the dragon, but it is said that whenever a Targaryen is born, the gods toss a coin in the air. Dot dot dot. If you read the books, you know that saying. Um, Emma Darcy, who I am not familiar with her work, um, is going to be playing uh, Renera Targaryen. Uh, She's described as the king's firstborn child, and she is of pure Valyrian blood, and she is also a dragon rider. Um, Many would say that Rhaenyra was born with everything, but she was not born a man. Um, And Olivia Coke, who most people would remember as Artemis from Ready Player One. Um, oh, okay. She will be playing Allison Hightower. She's described as the daughter of Otto Hightower, the hand of the king, and most and the most comely woman in the Seven Kingdoms. She was raised in the Red Keep, close to the king and his innermost circle, and she possesses both a courtly grace and a keen political um, eye. So, um, I have a feeling she'll be. I don't want to say she's going to be an evil character, but she sounds kind of like the Cersei of the crowd. You know that what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I know I like Olivia Koch, so I thought I'd, you know, bring that up. All right. Nice. Um The Dark Knight. This is a quick one. The film The Dark Knight Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight has been added to the Library of Congress. Um every year um uh, the Library of Congress or the National Film Registry adds 25 movies to its collection. Um, and uh, the collection, in an effort to conserve outstanding cinema for future generations to an experience and overall preserve American movie heritage, um, and The Dark Knight was one of the twenty-five films selected this year. That's awesome. That's so really it, awesome. It, it, it's it's fantastic, and it's one of those. And it doesn't matter. This is the. It doesn't matter if you're a DC or a Marvel fan. What's exciting about that is that they acknowledged a comic book film and the achievement that it was that it should be put in the Library of Congress. So,
0: absolutely. Well, I think it's one of
1: those things where people are uh,
0: like people were disappointed that the Dark Knight didn't get enough acknowledgement from the Oscars the year it came out. But the thing is, the Library of Congress. Congress might be more important when you look at the longevity of this film's legacy, because imagine if we're overtaken by aliens or just years and years in the future. These are the movies that people are going to look back at as like important pieces of art for our time. So the fact that the Dark Knight is in there, which it absolutely deserves to be, I think that's just such a cool, such a cool story. I actually didn't hear about this one. But, yeah,
1: that's great. I usually try and look like other movies that are in there, like Star Wars is in there, for example. I'm pretty sure Full Metal Jacket is like really big um, movies that made uh, big waves, basically, in the realm of Hollywood. um, Yeah, I know. I
0: know Empire Strikes Back was entered around. It was like. I know it was like post 2010. Like I, I think it was in the last 10 years that empire strikes back was entered. And that was big news. And I think a new hope was before that. I don't think there's Ewoks in the library of Congress yet, but that would be pretty awesome. Sure. But, uh, what were you saying?
1: Oh no, I didn't really have much else to add to that. So,
0: Oh, I feel bad. Cause I feel like I'm derailing you left and right. No, this episode, but
1: we are both going on tangents and it's making the conversation. <laughs> fun. So I don't really care. Yeah. Um, Um, So let's talk some DC news. I have one that I'm saving for last because it's interesting uh, that is DC related. But let's talk about some stuff. So first off, Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman creator or director, not creator, Wonder Woman director, criticizes Justice League, meaning the Joss Whedon cut. Okay. Um, She was very not thrilled with some stuff um, because they like, for example, the scene where uh, the Flash – and Wonder Woman collide and they land and the flash is like laying on Wonder Woman's chest and he gets up. He's like, Oh, like, you know, kind of unfounded. That's a really cheap gag that was not in the original cut. And it's a cheap gag that they, that someone put in there for a laugh. I don't want to blame it on Joss Whedon. It could be him, but it also could have been a studio head looking for a, you know, a lighthearted gag. Um, And uh, Gal Gadot went on the record saying she refused to do that scene and mm-hmm. they brought in a stunt double and had did it with a stunt double because Gal Gadot and wouldn't do it because she thought it degraded the character, which it does. Yeah. Um, so Patty Jenkins said, I think that all of the, us DC directors tossed Justice League out just as much as the fan did but i also felt that that version contradicted my movie in many ways and it did so i just thought that was interesting to actually hear a director speak out against the justice league film which is awesome because we're getting the snyder cut um which i'm going to get to the snyder cut news in just us yeah we'll just talk about the Snyder cut right now because there's one there's one non-snyder cut dc thing i wanted to bring up because i thought it was interesting so um Zack Snyder said that um, his cut of the Justice League will release on HBO March of 2021. So we literally just have to wait to March. So that's the now countdown we're looking for. Um, I knew it was, I figured it was going to be. <laughs> that's early. great. I yeah. figured it was going to be early. I figured March, April is what I was guessing in my head. Um, so, yeah. And then um, he also said uh, Justice League will get a rated R release. OK, so this well, is then. what I what I just said. Well, then keep going. <laughs> okay. So this is what I'm not sure about. So uh, Zack Snyder announced his cut will head to theaters. And uh, and it sounds like the majority of the R rating will be because Batman drops a handful of F-bombs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is totally fine. Um, the um, this is what I'm curious about, though. So the full four hour cut. Well, the full four-hour-length cut of the just of the Snyder Cut is going to be released in theaters. They said when they announced the Snyder Cut originally, it will release on HBO Max in four one-hour segments. So is that going to be an hour a day? Is that going to be an hour a week? I don't know how they're going to do it. And then Zack Snyder said in that press release um, on uh, that they did for DC Fandom um, that the movie will release that way. It will release in a bundled version— and distribution. So we're going to get sounds to me like we're getting a Blu-ray out of this, which is awesome because I want a physical copy on my shelf. Uh, yeah. But then uh, if the R rated version is only going to be in released in theaters, that I think is kind of cool because they're going to go. You want to see the movie. It's on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. In but if you want to see the R rated version of the movie, you're going to have to go to the theater. So it makes people do both. Um, that's a thing. Cool. Yeah. I'm kind of, and if it's just lines of dialogue like Batman dropping F bombs, I don't mind watching it at home and then going to watch it in the theater. I'm totally like willing to go see it in the theater, though I totally support this project and I've been backing it ever since. If you listen to this show, all I've done is blown up the fact that I want the Snyder cut. So, um,. I think that's a cool idea, and I'm totally down for it. Um, I just hope that when the distribution hits and the Blu-rays do come out, that I can get my hands on that cut. So um, I don't, it doesn't sound like it's two different cuts. It just sounds like there's an R-rated. Um, it's probably all R-rated in general, but it is going to theaters. So. Hopefully there's an intermission because I don't know if I can go four hours without using the bathroom. Um. <laughs> this is a really
0: this is a really interesting thing. Um,
1: Zack Snyder,
0: obviously, if you're familiar familiar with his other movies, he doesn't really like to hold back as far as subject matter goes. Like he likes really dark, real like really dark, really real subject matter and like he likes it's it kind to of be gritty.
1: Huh? He really likes it to be gritty.
0: Yeah. And it's it's one of those things where it's it's very weird to have movies that are starring you know the Flash, Superman, and Wonder Woman to be rated R. But I, for one, I'm really grateful for it because I feel like it does feel like some of the dark, some of the darker comic book stories that I've read. And like I really, really like Zack Snyder's movies. Um, what? Oh, the the place I was going with this though is it's kind of weird that. In the past, I feel like this would be the complete opposite. Like in a pre-COVID world, they would be releasing the PG-13 movie in theaters for, you know, the wide box office release. And then you would have to seek out the director's R-rated version. And if you don't believe me, just look at BVS Ultimate Edition or uh, the director's cut of uh, Sucker Punch that Zack Snyder put together. But I just think...
1: Wait, does the director's cut a, a sucker punch?
0: Yeah, it was on uh, the Blu-ray release. I think it's only a few scenes that are added, but I think oh. it's it pushes the movie from PG-13 to R. Oh.
1: I didn't know that. I want to see that version <laughs> of This is that. So... <laughs> Uh, girl. okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it was, it
0: was one of those things where I, I actually haven't seen the director's cut of sucker punch. And it's only because at the time I didn't have a blu-ray uh, player when that came out. Yep. So I remember being kind of annoyed, like, I really want to watch this, but I don't have it. So I'll just get the DVD version uh, for okay. the time being. But yeah, I really want to watch it as well. But I do know that the blu-ray had, it was either R or not rated. It definitely had a higher rating than the, you know, uh, standard pg-13 version
1: well what i wanted to add to that is where you said that um they put the pg-13 in the theater to get the wider audience yeah i think in the terms of the snyder cut and dc trying to turn around what's going on in their studio they don't care and they're going look people had a real problem with this justice league or the the justice league league if you will the Snyder cut's coming, and it's what the fans want. Literally give them what they want, and let's see what happens. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I seriously think that's what's going on with that. Um, we're going long, so I'm going to roll this out. <laughs> we're, gonna go, we're going Sorry way about that. No, dude, <laughs> we're it's all good. Yeah. Okay. So um, speaking of Jet uh, Zack Snyder's um, – uh, versions of the film. This is something I think is really cool. I don't know what, um, how this is going to be distributed. If it's just going to go to HBO Max or if they're going to release it on Blu ray or whatever. Um, but Zack Snyder announced that he's working on an IMAX ratio restoration to Batman versus Superman. Um, wow. Okay. So if you don't know the words that I just said or don't understand <laughs> what I just said, um, if you watch. So if you go to the theater and you watch a theatrical version of a movie, you have that 35 foot screen in front of you Um, and then you go and you watch um, and then you go and you watch it on IMAX. You have a 75 foot screen in front of you, but it's much wider at the top and bottom. Um, When you go to um, when you are at home watching a Blu-ray, most widescreen TVs are not theater aspect ratio so when you watch a wide screen when you watch a movie on like a blu-ray disc a lot of times you'll get the black bars at the top and bottom of your screen and because everyone's watching widescreen tvs now no one seems to really notice and pay attention to those black bars when you watch a movie in imax a lot of times you will have the movie will fit a certain portion of the screen And then pending on the action sequence, it'll be the entirety of the screen. And then it'll cut back to that theater size and then go back to the IMAX length for the film. Um, Very rarely do you have the whole movie shot in IMAX. Um, A really good example of it would be watching um, the Dark Knight films, uh, specifically Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. You can see the breaks. If you look for them, you can actually see the breaks where they go from that 35 foot to the 75 foot back and forth uh, for the action Mm -hmm. sequence. Um, but he's doing an IMAX restoration to Batman versus Superman, uh, which has me like, I saw the movie in IMAX and it was gorgeous, but I don't remember where the breaks are. So I'm kind of curious to see if it's going to be like, hey, we're just doing an IMAX restoration and it's going to be all of it. Um, I don't know. Because the image with, that was shown with this article was the nightmare sequence. So um, yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, That'll be really cool to see um, when it's finally released. Um, I know Zack Snyder takes his movies pretty seriously just as like pieces of art. Um, And if you like if you go into like the whole like, I don't know like how familiar you how familiar how, blah, I can't talk either tonight, Drew. <laughs> how familiar you are with the uh, like golden mean and gr- golden ratio when it comes to like composing um, different like shots of a movie and stuff. And if you go into different like classical paintings and stuff, there's this sort of golden uh, three-fourths ratio that's used in a lot of uh, paintings and stuff, but Zack Snyder actually uses that sort of composition a lot, and uh, it's kind of just interesting to see like how he views his movies as high art, and uh, I feel like, I mean, I don't know, but I feel like he's the kind of guy who would want all of his movies to be shown in IMAX just because that's probably what he believes they should be shown in, so definitely an interesting story. Um, yeah, I don't know where to go with it. But this is going to be a cool one to see as it develops because is BVS going
1: to get a new IMAX release? You know that could be pretty neat, right? Um. Okay. Two more. One's weird. One's going to make you laugh. Uh, George <laughs> Clooney. George Clooney says it's physically painful for him to watch Batman and Robin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, in an interview with uh, Vanity Fair. Uh, Clooney says, I couldn't have done that one differently. Um, he, it's, it's a big machine, that thing. You have to remember at that point, I was an actor getting an acting job. I wasn't the guy who could just green light a movie. Um, and then he says, uh, many he, he, later he talks about Schwarzenegger and he says, we never saw each other. It's a bit like he goes, like I said, it's a big monster machine. And I just sort of jumped in and did what they asked me to Schwarzenegger and I were never on the set at the same time. It
0: makes sense, though. When you look uh, back at the movie, I don't know if they were ever shown in the same shot. And I'm thinking at the end when he finally defeats <laughs> Mr. Freeze they never show them in the same shot talking to each other. It was a lot of like faces close up talking to each other. So that's really funny, but it kind of makes sense in a weird way.
1: Right. I mean, I just, I don't know what to say about it. I just saw I'm like, Whoa, wait, what's this article? And I just kind of read through it and it made me chuckle a little bit. So I wanted to bring that up.
0: The thing uh, is though, do people have hatred for George Clooney from that movie? I feel like all the <laughs> hatred goes straight to uh, Schumacher.
1: I think all the directing it straight to Schumacher
0: too. Yeah. Like, you uh, know but there wasn't a lot of hate on the actors. Well, when luckily, it comes to the
1: flashpoint movie, uh, Clooney said that he was not asked to come back. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, so. that's so funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, all right. So here's the one, this one has me really interested. Uh, this is the final news story of the night and we are going way long, but that's all right. Uh, Chris Pine to star in a dungeons and dragons movie. Awesome. um, Okay, so (laughs) there have been uh, two Dungeons & Dragons live-action films in the past. And when I was a kid, there was a Dungeons & Dragons cartoon uh, that I used to watch growing up. And uh, the cartoon was awesome. Um, I have very fond memories of that cartoon, and it was really cool. Um, My thing with Dungeons & Dragons as a movie is I really want to know how you tell that story... I feel like – so here's the thing. Um, When you play a video game like World of Warcraft, um, you have your own character that you create, and you go on your little adventures and whatnot, and then they come out with a Warcraft movie, and you go to watch it. But as a fan, it's not your character. It's the story you're watching within the universe that you're playing in, right? Yeah. Well, with Dungeons & Dragons, this is a – thing where yes you create a character and you go on these adventures and stuff so technically you're going to be do same kind of thing you're going to be watching a movie about something that exists in this world that you play in all the time but it's not your character it's not your story dungeons and dragons is a very personal game for people who get really into it because it's a story that they're going on it's an adventure they're a part of they're a part of the story and i and I don't know how you're going to be able to tell a and d story um, and do it justice without trying to incorporate the fact that it is a game and make people realize, like, you know what I mean? Does it start with everyone sit around at the table with the Dungeon Master starting the story and then suddenly, like, you're in the fantasy world? Think about, yeah. like. Think about like uh, Princess Bride, where he's telling the kid the story in the book, and then suddenly you're in the book and you're like seeing the adventure play out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then they cut back to the de- the grandpa and his kid in the bedroom, and then it cuts back to the like, are you going to try and do something like that with the with all the players and the DM at the table, and then they cut into the story and you get to see the section, and they go back like. That's the only way I can think in my head that you do something like that, which could make it really fun. But you really want to incorporate all aspects of it if you want to do it right. So I don't really know how you're going to do it because the other movies were apparently not good. I never watched them. Um, yeah,
0: I think there is like I feel like there's potential, but it's going to be hard for them to pull it off because there is this sort of element, like you were saying, incorporating actually people sitting around and playing the game and having this sort of um if you compare it to the never ending story, like the sort of a bastion sort of back and forth where you have the characters playing the game and then the characters in the actual adventure. And that could be really interesting to see, but I don't really know. That's a, it's a good question. And I kind of want to be a fly on the wall in that writer's room where they're trying to figure out how do we even do this? Um, I'm interested in a Dungeons and Dragons movie because I just think it sounds fun. Um, I really like the um, a lot of the monsters in Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like I'd love to see. Like I'd love to see a uh, live action beholder like, you know, done to justice and stuff like that. But sure. the thing is, if you look at the at least the biggest um, Dungeons and Dragons movie from the past, the one with uh, I think it's uh is it Damon Wayans was in that? I'm trying to remember all the actors, but it was kind of like played off for comedy. But I feel like if you remember the old Mortal Kombat movie, I feel like Reptile from the original Mortal Kombat looked better than any of the monsters in that original Dungeons and Dragons. Movie. Oh, really? And that's okay. really saying something. It that movie had some of the worst CGI effects like you will ever see. So. I'm hoping they at least nail the aesthetics from it. And I think it's a fun idea with a lot of potential. But how are they going to pull this off? I really don't know. So I'm kind of with you on that.
1: Yeah, I just I'm really curious to see what happens and we'll see how it plays out. Um, But, yeah, so Chris Pine's going to be in it. All right. Um, (laughs) Nice. Are you ready to start the list? yeah let's go for it we've gone long and it's all tangents tonight apparently so um, (laughs) all right ryan sorry for going so long again but uh it's list time so please roll the thing and now for the top five so here we are. Um, it is the lists of uh, the list we're doing tonight is our anticipated list of the movies for 2021. Um, so this is how I tackled this list, Peter. I tackled this as I Googled what's coming out for 2021. When you look at the list, it seems like everything's been shifted back from what I was yep. looking. It looks like everything's properly been shifted. Everything has proper release dates and months and all that stuff now. Um, however, I'm not 100% sure everything's actually coming out in 2021. So, Very true. <laughs> that, being, that being said, movies I talk about tonight might not actually be coming out. And some of these movies I may have mentioned from the previous year when we said movies we were excited for in 2020. I did not look up our list because I didn't really feel like it. I was like, you know what? 2020 is kind of a. Uh, like we're kind of scratching it out of existence, if you will, in terms of like the entertainment industry. So um, I didn't want to like dig those up and go, oh, hey, we talked about that last time <laughs> a yeah. year ago. Um, I just figured let's look forward to the future and kind of go from there. So um, I do have two honorable mentions. I don't know about you, um, but yeah, I have two
0: honorable mentions as well. And the only thing I can say as a precursor to my list is, not a lot of variety. <laughs> There's not a lot of variety on my list at all, but I don't care because these are the movies I most want to see. I, so know. There you you know,
1: go. I, I thought about that in terms of when we get to when we get to the Oscars, OK, because the Oscars got pushed back to April when we actually get to the Oscars and we get to talk about movies like our favorite movies of the year. We didn't get to see a lot. And, yes. the ma- and the majority of the movies that got released hit, like, streaming services. So when I look back at 2020 and have to do my five favorite films of the year, there's a good chance the Oscar list, most of us are going to go, what in the world is that movie? Because it yes. hit streaming and it got buried in the Netflix, like, catacombs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, I really (laughs) like Netflix catacombs. (laughs) Digital catacombs you get lost in when you go (laughs) through them through Netflix. It happens every time, man. Um, All right. So, yeah, what do you got? um technically this would have been my my list week so it's technically you go first if you will sure
0: thing uh so the okay so my honorable mentions i know very little about but i'm excited for them uh the first one i wanted to talk about is the disney animated movie raya and the last dragon uh drew i think you told me about this because you mentioned it when we were talking about d23 news i could be wrong but i believe it was around then and uh I don't know anything about this movie. I've seen like probably three images, but I just already know that this looks really awesome. Like it looks like a really cool sort of fantasy, um, you know, Disney animated movie, but it has a really cool like sort of design aesthetic to it. And uh, I think, I think this is just one of those movies that the few images I've seen I have a feeling I'm going to really enjoy this movie, and I kind of don't want to spoil too much. So I'm okay kind of being out of the know, but I'm definitely going to check this one out uh, once it does come out.
1: Right. Um, And I totally, uh, that is a movie that made my short list. So nice. um, Here's a movie I don't know a lot about, but I'm really excited to see it when I finally get a chance to. And that is Free Guy. Um, (laughs) Nice. I'm pretty sure I talked about it last year. Um, This is Ryan Reynolds plays an NPC in a video game. um, And it took me like three watches of the trailer to realize that's what was going on. Um, But he's playing an NPC. He's an NPC in a video game, doesn't know it, and then suddenly realizes he's in a game and suddenly gets to experience what it's like to be a player and have all the player abilities. Um, the movie looks like it's so just fun. And if you've played video games, if you like, you're going to have a blast watching this. But if you don't play video games, this looks like a movie that you're just going to go. That was a fun watch, you know. So, yeah, that's a good point.
0: This movie definitely made my my short list. And it was a uh, I agree with you, I think. It's funny that you said it took you a couple watches of the trailer because I remember watching it and not necessarily feeling like it was super clear. And then you think of the people who don't even like play a lot of video games or are kind of unfamiliar that probably have no idea what was going on in that trailer. Uh, Regardless of that, I'm definitely going to be watching this movie. So it definitely looks really fun. And I think it's one of those movies that. It has a lot of potential. Like, I don't know if I'm 100 percent sold on it now, but it's one of those movies that could become like a cult classic, you know, if it's done well. Enough. Yeah. So.
1: And so it, it does look like it's got that cult classic feel to it. Um, all right. So what's your second honorable mention?
0: OK, so my second one, this is another one that I don't know well, I know very little about, but I'm 100% going to be watching, and that is The Conjuring. The devil made me do it. Um, I've mentioned The Conjuring series plenty of times in the past. I think that this series is kind of the it's kind of the really good shared universe that nobody realizes is going on, but the conjuring movies are all in a shared universe and it kind of just popped up under everybody's nose and each uh, movie deals with a true life, uh, haunting story. And some of the side uh, movies like curse of La Lorna and the nun and um Uh, Some of the Annabelle uh, sequels aren't necessarily the greatest, but the main Conjuring movies so far have all delivered. So I'm I think this one's going to be really cool. I haven't really looked into, like, is James Wan directing this one or is he just
1: producing it? But I'm still excited about this one regardless. So. Nice. Um, Yeah, that one, unfortunately, did not make my short list, but I haven't seen all the conjurings. So um, and this is where you're like, really? Uh, No, no, (laughs) it's all
0: good. It's one of those things like you can watch the first one and you'll know if you if the series is for you or not. You know, so if if you like the first one, keep going, you know, keep watching them. If you don't, you know, that's fine. (laughs) I'll
1: tell you, you, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I really want to see Freaky a real bad. I want to like see that, that too. Um, the Vince Vaughn, like, yeah, I really want to see that movie. And I found out it was directed by the guy who uh, directed happy death day. And I yeah. really enjoyed happy death day. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that movie.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's, um, I keep seeing that somebody did like fan art. That's a freaky, happy death day crossover. I've seen that on Twitter a bit. And I would like, think that would be really cool if it eventually <laughs> happens as well. So, <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. That'd be awesome. All right. So my next honorable mention, and I feel like I'm going to get a little bit of slander for it because of the type of movie it is, is Black Widow. Um, Black Widow (laughs) should probably Black Widow should probably be higher on my list. But I just want to see the movie already. Seriously. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like at this point, it's just give me the movie. Um, Just let me see it. Um, It's not one like I'm almost I got to a point where I was looking forward to it. And now I'm just like, just give me it. Like, let me watch the movie. Um, I'm not it's I'm not breaking the bank to go rush to see it because the Marvel Marvel may be pushing stuff out to Disney plus right now, but they're not rushing to the theaters right now. So I just want to see the movie, but it's slated for May. So that's good. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: absolutely agree with this one because I'm excited for Black Widow. But I was excited about this a year ago. And it's it's one of those things where. I it made my short list and I want to see it so bad. But this at the same time, there's all these new um, these new shiny objects <laughs> that are drawing me in of all these other movies that I want to see. And, you know, right. I'm still excited about Black Widow. It's just not my most anticipated movie sort of thing this year. But yeah.
1: um, What's your first actual pick?
0: OK, so my first actual pick, another movie that I know very little about, but I. I'm pretty confident it's going to be awesome, and that is Mortal Kombat. Um, oh yeah, which is which is coming out this year. They have a new live action Mortal Kombat. Like I said, I know very little about this, but I'm
1: Max. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> absolutely. And it's one of those things that I don't know a lot about this version of the story of Mortal Kombat, but I really like. When you compare Mortal Kombat to other fighting games, I think Mortal Kombat does have a very, very cool, very interesting world that it takes place in. And that's what I'm excited about, because at the place that uh, special effects are and everything, I think this is going to be. A really cool realization of that world we're going to see as this movie is portrayed in live action. And that's what I'm excited about. Um, I'm hoping it's good. I'm hoping it has some really gritty, cool, gory aspects to it. Uh, Drew, I don't know if you have any
1: thoughts on Mortal Kombat, but that's Um, the first pick on my list. I do. I I agree with you wholeheartedly about everything you said. Um, I'm excited that it's on HBO Max because I won't have to rush. I can just be like, oh, hey, it's right there. And I'll just sit down and watch it. Um, what's funny about um, it going to HBO Max is I almost put HBO Max as a whole on an honorable mention. Not because <laughs> not, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff coming. But what made me yeah. laugh about the HBO Max is is when we found out about Warner Brothers releasing their slate on the HBO Max and theaters in the same day. I wasn't originally rushing to go see the new Space Jam movie, but if it's going to be on HBO Max for me to just watch, I might as well. So um That kind of made me laugh, and I was like, well, just put HBO Max as an honorable mention. I'm like, no, I probably should not do that. <laughs> um, nice. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I'm excited to see Mortal Kombat as well. It made my short list. So um, my next one is No Time to Die, the new James Bond movie. Um, I'm not the biggest James Bond fan, but, and I, but I do watch all the films and this one looks astounding and it's one of the movies that got pushed back from 2020. Um, but it it just looks so, so good. Um, so yeah, no time to die. I just, I had to, I have to see that movie. So
0: that's awesome. I, um, I'm like a pretty lukewarm James Bond fan. Um, I actually haven't seen the trailer. I, I I think I haven't seen like the last couple James Bond movies. But uh, since you say it looks it looks astounding, it makes me want to hunt down the trailer and stuff and maybe definitely check this one out. It's just kind of one of those things where James Bond isn't the first place I go when I want to want to watch a movie. So um, I know that might get some hate, but. It is, it, <laughs> it is what it is. Oh, I guess. Dude, I've, so.
1: I've said, I've said myself that I prefer mission impossible because they do. Um, they're doing everything that James Bond's movie should do. Like I just prefer mission impossible as a whole. So, right. uh, but I like the James Bond films. So yeah. Cool.
0: Um, I guess I could move into my next one. Um, Okay, so my next pick is Morbius. Um, yeah. From the Spider Man universe from Sony.
1: Yeah,
0: so this movie. Um, I've been excited for this for a long time and for some, somehow I missed the the trailer for this movie. Like, I think I remember when the trailer come came out and hearing about it, but it was one of those things where I don't know. I have this weird thing where if I'm already excited for something and I know I'm going to see it, I'm like, I kind of feel like I don't need the trailer to convince me because I'm I kind of approach with this movie where I'm like, okay, it's Jared Leto. Okay. He's playing Morbius. I'm in like, you don't even need to sell me further than that. But uh, I actually just watched the trailer today, you know, while uh, I was finalizing my list and getting ready for the episode. And I watched the trailer and it looks really cool. Um, I'm hoping it's as good as it looks, but I like that Morbius and the Venom movies both are kind of like these weird, comic booky monster movies and like if you wanted to in a weird way compare the first venom movie to um almost like a crazy werewolf thing like uh morbius almost looks like a cool like dr jekyll mr hyde sort of concept even though it's about a vampire which is kind of makes it more crazy but i do really enjoy these sort of uh it's kind of interesting to see a vampire movie that has that sort of sci-fi approach. Like it's a really science based vampire and as opposed to a uh, magic based vampire, I guess. And I just, from the visuals, from everything I've seen, I think it looks really, really fun. So nice.
1: Um, I don't have much to say about mine because um, uh, I don't have a lot to say about mine because we don't know enough about it, but I'm okay. excited. And that's Ghostbusters three. Yeah. The actual Ghostbusters three. So (laughs) uh, we just (laughs) they they released that trailer. It looks great. Don't know enough. I'm just excited to see it. So
0: I'm excited about this one, too. This is another one where I just want to see more because I'm going to watch it 100 percent. But I haven't seen enough to be for it to be like one of my most anticipated. But it looks really good so far. So I'm excited
1: about Ghostbusters three as well.
0: Um, Um, I guess I can move into my next one yeah Uh,
1: yeah, I I just don't have much to say like I'm excited I want to see it and it just I that's one that I forgot about when COVID started pushing everything back so that was probably already supposed to come out right I in 2021 I honestly I don't know I don't remember I (laughs) you know (laughs) we knew it was coming I just don't remember yeah um so yeah go ahead what do you got
0: Uh, So my next pick is Venom. Let There Be Carnage. I know it's a pretty far stone throws away from Morbius. But uh, this is one that I don't know much about besides it's Venom and Carnage. And that's going to be badass. And uh, the first Venom movie had a lot of cool symbiote fights. And I'm expecting even more this time. And uh, the first movie was really weird. And I expect this one to be... Pretty weird as well, but I'm kind of excited about it because the one thing I can say about uh, the Venom series and probably the same with Morbius is I can go to a theater um, and watch the movie and I don't know what to expect. And I can't necessarily say that for some other uh, superhero franchises and stuff, but I do like that these movies are kind of wild cards, which is kind of one of my favorite things with going to see movies is like when you walk in and you don't know much about the film and you don't really know what's going to happen and you're kind of just taken for a really fun
1: ride. So uh, yeah, Venom. (laughs) Um, So my next one, again, I don't know much about it, but if you follow its director, Christopher McQuarrie on uh, Instagram, he's been posting a lot of pictures from like locations that they're scouting or at and stuff, not set pictures, but just like, like, we're here filming kind of thing. Um, and uh, so if you know Christopher McQuarrie, you might know where I'm going with this. Um, but that's Mission Impossible 7. Um, awesome. I've been <laughs> I've been excited about this because we found out it's going to be the two movies back-to-back, Mission Impossible 7 and 8. It sounds like they're doing two movies and breaking it in half kind of thing. Kind of like how they filmed the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um and Tom Cruise um, is very, very heavily taking the COVID restrictions seriously. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> so much that that quote made me laugh. Um, I don't know the quote verbatim, but it was like, we are not effing shutting this movie down. Um, if you do not effing like adhere to these restrictions, you are fired like <laughs> Yeah. Um, And I just thought that was I just thought that was awesome.
0: Um, Well, it's it's funny that like Tom Cruise takes the stance like we're not shutting this down because like, you know, how dedicated that guy is to his craft. (laughs) So it totally (laughs) makes sense. Like, do not ruin this for me. We're not stopping production. You know, keep your damn mask on sort of thing. Uh, Yeah, that's awesome. though.
1: Um, Yeah. So that's all I got on Mission Impossible 7. I'm just real excited for it because I love like the series has gotten just better and better better and mission impossible six was just unbelievable and it's still just a fantastic movie so
0: i agree like i've watched uh, fallout multiple times and it's really good like every time i watch did it and i
1: watch, did you ever watch rogue nation no i need to go back and re and watch those the previous <laughs> movies. it's it's funny to me to say dude you should really watch the previous movies because there's some story threads that start in three and carry all the way through fallout oh i absolutely could tell But but that being said, Rogue Nation and Fallout literally go pretty much hand to hand, back to back.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I do need to take like a weekend or something and just watch all those movies. Um, I knew I knew you were going to pick Mission Impossible as well. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't know for sure, but I had a strong feeling Um, I could move into my next pick, which is The Suicide Squad, And this one, you got a lot of uh, variety there. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's all just comic books are killing people on my list. (laughs) So um, the Suicide Squad, I don't know much about it besides who like who is in it as far as actors and characters and just how they look. But this is James Gunn. Um, I've pretty much liked uh, most of the things I've seen james gunn do um, i really love the guardians of the galaxy movies i loved Sl- slither um, i like kind of like a lot of aspects of his aesthetic and stuff and that he comes from kind of a i like that james gunn comes from like this weird b-horror movie you know like trauma vision sort of background but then he Brings like bits and pieces of that, even into his comic book movies, like that sort of goriness and campiness. And it's not like over the top, but it's still there and you can still sense that in his movies. And I really love that. But I just expect this movie to be super fun. Um, I I like the first Suicide Squad movie, but this one kind of looks like it's going to be a completely different take while also honoring the original one. So I'm actually I'm really excited for this. This I just expect to be a really good time. I don't
1: know if you have any thoughts on Suicide Squad, Drew. I'm really excited for Suicide Squad. I'm mostly excited that because of the Snyder Cut news, it seems like DC is really focusing on trying to keep that universe intact. Um So when you go from the first Suicide Squad movie to this Suicide Squad movie, um, it just seems like they're trying to keep it intact, which is awesome. Um, And I really really appreciate that visual language to keep together.
0: Absolutely. And I I love that um – Certain characters are coming back, um, like Rick Flagg. and uh, unless something's changed, I'm pretty sure Viola Davis is coming back to play uh, Amanda Waller, which is awesome because I thought she was such a good villain in the first movie. Like, if if you need to rewatch that first Suicide Squad movie, because yeah, Enchantress was the villain, but. It was really Waller was the main villain, you know, so and I'm really excited to see her reprise that role. And I hope that she uh, has like just some really good sort of stings in there and stuff, because I think that's a character you could do a lot of really cool stuff with. And I'm just really excited about that. So,
1: Um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, my next pick for the night again is a movie I've talked about in the past because it got pushed back, but I'm dying, dying, dying to see it. And that is Top Gun Maverick. Um, So, yeah. Um, Yeah, we just we we know plenty about it. We've seen the trailers. It's supposed to it was supposed to be out last year. It pushed. um, It's now slated for a July release, which is awesome. So, yeah, Top Gun. I'm excited. So I don't know if you have anything to add to that, but.
0: I knew, I knew this was going to make your list as well, but um, I'm excited about this one, too. I, I wouldn't say it's like within my top five or seven most anticipated, but I I mean, the first Top Gun, Gun movie, I have so many fond memories of watching and, uh, you know, playing along with and stuff as we watched that movie. And this is going to be awesome. At least the trailer made it look awesome. So I'm super <laughs> excited. And uh, yeah, who knows what's going to happen, you know. Is there going to be even more Top Gun sequels like that? would Be kind of cool. You know, we right. don't know where this is going to lead. So
1: right. Right now, before you tell me what your last pick for the night is, um, the. Uh, I have a feeling we matched um, and I feel I have a feeling <laughs> don't have a lot to say about it because we've been talking about it all <laughs> year long. But go ahead. Yeah, my last pick is. Zack Snyder's Justice
0: League or Justice League, the Snyder Cut. I don't know what you want to call it, but I'm pretty sure the official name is Zack Snyder's Justice League. And uh, as you said, unless you were thinking of something else, we've been talking about this a long time. Um I think earlier this episode, we were even talking about how it was going to be released in theaters, but it's also going to be on HBO max in these sort of one hour episodes. And uh, because of that sort of HBO max uh, way of releasing this movie, I actually thought it was going to go into the TV category for next year. So it almost didn't make my list, but drew you and I had that discussion before the episode and we were like, well, it it, uh, it is all going to be released in theaters at once. So it, should count as a
1: movie so there there you go my other argument there was it's it was originally meant to be a movie so absolutely
0: yeah it was i agree with that there was part of me that was just excited for me to include it in the tv category because it would be such a unique uh item to be considered part of the tv shows and it would it's just like uh it's just kind of a really unique story like the legacy of uh Zack Snyder's Justice League and all the things that happened had to happen for it to come out but um yeah I'm pumped for this I loved I Man of Steel I love Batman v Superman so this is going to be just awesome uh I've know, been talking man. a lot so what do you want to say Drew <laughs> no I don't really
1: have anything to add because we've been talking about it all year it's just If you've been listening to this show at all you know that we've been excited about this since the announcement um and it's just it's it's a long time coming uh all the fans who helped get this project out thank you for all the support anyone on the internet who advocated for this thank you for the support thank you to the actors who advocated for this um and uh zach snyder uh i've had your back the whole time so i know you're listening thank you Um, absolutely I i can't wait to see it um so since we don't know, since we're going to be talking about the Snyder cut forever until we get to see the movie and then even afterwards, <laughs> um, the uh, next week, uh, because we did anticipated movies for twenty twenty one next week, we are going to do anticipated television for twenty twenty one, which is going to be weird because with the way covid pushed everything back, I think it might be difficult to figure out what's actually coming out in 2020, 2021 or not. Um, so there's a good chance we're just going to talk about shows that we're excited about that we know are coming. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know we know WandaVision will be out for sure. So I we, guess can start, there. <laughs> we can start there. Right. We can definitely start there. But my point is the fact that it's going to be next week could be kind of goofy in terms of the time frame because of how COVID messed up the world. So, do you have anything to add, Peter, before we bring this to a close and throw this episode in the can?
0: Uh, no, I think it's just this next year as long as everything uh stays the course there's a lot of really cool movies coming out so i'm
1: excited for it right well uh everybody i agree with what peter said and do us a favor and check out our website TopFiveReport.com. there you'll find links to all of our social media twitter and facebook along with the link to our email top at gmail.com uh you can interact with the show by shooting us an email or hitting us on our social media either way works um We are on iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. There you can subscribe to us. And if you do, you won't miss a single episode. Um, You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better. And it makes the words we say feel important. Uh, You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter? Yeah,
0: you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I'll be announcing all the delays to your most anticipated 2021 movies.
1: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> all right, everybody, for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Bye.